You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another amazing edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. I got a special one for you. I got a rock star in the house. Her name is Katrina Sanders. She's doing a workshop and she agreed to do a podcast right before And we talk about rethinking the role of a dental hygienist in today's day and age. You have to listen to this. I know you guys will enjoy it and we'll see you soon. All right. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. I got a special edition for you. She is in the house, the Taylor Swift of dentistry. Can I say that? I, I, you absolutely <laughs> can. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you so much. That's so this cool. Awesome. Katrina Sanders is here doing her thing for the actinal community and we are sold out. We have turned people away from this course, which starts in about an hour and a half mm-hmm. or so, somewhere in there. And you agreed to come in and do a podcast, which I always enjoy doing with you. So Absolutely. thanks for being here. Oh my gosh. I, I, I love it. And for the people who are listening on audio, we've got like tables of wine glasses here. Like this is, is this how CE is now? You like, know what? I like wine? to think that you're changing the way things work. So if you're watching on video, everybody oh, that's in this training center is equipped with not just a regular like low class wine glass. This is like an ultimate experience you know, thing. Yes. And I want, I, I want to kind of start here. We're going to be talking about something really important, which is rethinking the role of a dental hygienist in these yeah. days. Yeah. And I also want them to know like who you are. So mm-hmm. we have a lot of, again, a lot of young listeners, a lot of dental students and young dental professionals. Who's Katrina Sanders and why am I holding a wine glass prior to a course? Can you help us with that? Uh, of course. Uh, so my name is Katrina Sanders. I am a practicing periodontal hygienist, but also I am a sommelier. So I'm, according to the Court of Master Sommeliers, I'm a wine, beer, cigar, and spirits expert. Andy, next yeah, time, maybe. cigars. <laughs> <laughs> could we do that? You, I, I mean, I don't see why not. Take everybody but, yeah. up to the roof and just we could see, just do see what we do, right? We could you do know? wine, spirits, cigars, perio. That would be an That's, interesting course. It sure would. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but so inside of the sommelier training, of course, we learn a lot about all of these accoutrements, but they right. focus, you know, quite a bit on wine. So they call me the dental wine genist. 
And what my coursework really does is it focuses on high-level perio content, high-level disease prevention, but we add in, of course, the sparkle of wine. And right. so that's what this coursework is tonight, which I'm so excited about. We're going to be talking about you know, how to help elevate our clinical standards, and we're going to be doing a sommelier-guided wine flight experience guided by yours truly. Right. So I'm excited. And I'm going to be one of your wine pourers. Is that... Yeah, are is that you my gonna, title? That the official wine pourer. Are, do you? No, you, I'm one of the pourers. One of the pourers. I'm just one of your. Do you feel one, like you have a heavy hand? Will the, will those be like some pretty big pours? <laughs> I'm gonna need you, a lot you of instruction. Sit in Kirk section so that yeah. you get like a pretty significant pour. Yeah. No. Awesome. It's so much fun. Now I'm just gonna say this selfishly. Uh, we really enjoy you. Number one. From a core value standpoint, like you, you're a rock star. Uh, I think there's no question that's that's just a complete lineup. The other thing that's really cool about you that I'll say today when people are here, for those that haven't seen Katrina speak uh, publicly, is I think you're one of the most gifted human beings I've ever seen verbal skills wise. Like wow. you really understand it. Your background is tremendous. You don't just come from a perio practice. You come from Ralph's practice. That's right. And yeah. I know it's not his practice, but I like to ref- affectionately it. <laughs> AZ <laughs> Perio. <laughs> So, you know, the, one of the, one of the challenges in great education for great practices, how do we put the verbal skills Mm -hmm. with the why and the research in, I'm going to watch that magically come together this afternoon as you educate teams. Now we used to try to do this on our own. And then I saw you the first time I'm like, forget it. Like we won't even try. You travel all over the world and train people at the highest level on verbal skills, the research, what really happens behind the perio and what it really means. And it's powerful when you can watch somebody. My favorite part of what's going to happen today and tomorrow is when a hygienist in the room leans over to the doctor and starts whispering. And then you hear the doctor go, you you don't hear the doctor. You see the doctor nod and go, yeah. And you can see what's happening is it's called alignment. They're like, is this, is this where you want to go? And as you can imagine, as a dentist, one of the hardest things in the world is you don't have the downtime. Mm -mm. You also don't have the training. You don't have the research at your fingertips. So we just tell people, come here for two days. We will immerse you with all of this information. It will be overwhelming. And let's pour a little wine. Yes. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing better (laughs) than that is what I'm saying. Yes. And you're spot on. One of my favorite things, and I know this is what we're going to dive into today, is really showing the partnership of what a dental hygienist can do inside of a practice. Right. So as a practicing periodontal hygienist, I do tons of coursework for hygienists. And I am consistently told by the hygienists in these rooms. Well, it would be so great if my doctor were here, right? Right. That's how we move the needle. We need our doctors to help support us. If we need, you know, additional pieces of equipment, if we need a protocol change, if we need to be maybe using different CDT codes. So we need our front office team members to be there to help support us. Right. So it's hard because I'm doing these programs for hygienists and even though they're learning this data, it's so hard for them to get that over that hurdle of how do I integrate that into my practice? Yeah. So that's what we're doing today. We're integrating it. And the people who need to integrate that are going to be in this room doing it live in living color, which I'm so excited about. Yeah. That's what we're going to do in the course and Mm -hmm. in the podcast. You know what we're going to do? We're going to change the narrative. We're changing it. Let's do it. Okay. So here's the narrative. If you're out there paying attention to any Facebook group, like 
hygienists are just, it's difficult. They're asking for a lot of money. There's no hygienist. They're, they're just, they just want everything. They they're don't want to. They're pre donnas What? Do you love that one? Oh my gosh. We, we are told all the time that we're prima donnas. Right. We'll and so to the narrative. we're going to talk about that storm in the middle of National Dental Hygiene Appreciation Month. Wow. Mm-hmm. So give us a little, here we are on the map. Yeah. So let's dive back a little bit. Okay. We do like a little bit of a way back playback. For sure. Let's go. So dental hygienists really started to come out the early 1900s. Irene Newman was the very first dental hygienist and she was trained by her cousin, Alfred Phones. Alfred Phones at the time realized that patients were coming in as, you know, their very first appointment ever at five years old. And these individuals coming in at five years old already had decay in their mouth. Now, at the time, they were, they called it toothworms, you know, but they knew that there was a bacterial component to, you know, experiencing decay. And he thought there has to be a way for us to be able to prevent this disease process because they're five years old and they're already getting decay. So he trains his cousin, Irene Newman, and she and her colleagues, her uh, cohort is the very first graduating class of dental hygienists in 1914 timeframe. And from there, dental hygienists enter into the community. Now that's important because we came out of this concept of a need for a focus on prevention. We were coming out of this concept of we need somebody to be an advocate to go out into the community and to show them how to take care of themselves. So Irene and her colleagues went into the school districts and they taught there are these amazing videos of them teaching children how to brush their teeth, teaching children how to floss. And, And the concept behind this was we need a patient advocate. I highlight that because hygienists did not come out of we need somebody to boost production in our practices. Right. It was about creating or rather drawing a line between the gap of what's occurring in society when it comes to disease and ultimately how we can help them to achieve greater levels of health. Right. And it's amazing because in the 1900s, we had the Spanish flu of 1918. And in the communities where dental, now dental hygienists are brand new at the time in the 1900s. In the communities where they had dental hygienists teaching oral hygiene habits to the community, there were low rates of the Spanish flu. Right. So from an epidemiological standpoint, there's some speculation that oral health instruction in those communities actually helped to reduce these infectious diseases. As we began to continue to evolve, of course, dental hygienists started to get employed in dental practices. And then it was in the 1950s that that spokes beaver from my pan of toothpaste said, brush a, brush a, brush a. Right. You remember that? With that brand new I pana, did the whole thing. And he said at the end of the commercial, don't forget to brush with brand new I pana and see your dentist twice a year. This was a focus around campaigning, having dental hygienists performing more preventive therapies. Because before that, most people would go to the dentist only if they had a tooth emergency, right? Right. Extract this tooth, it's causing me pain. And we really wanted to change that narrative. So preventive dentistry comes along in a strong way through campaigns like this in the 1950s. And from there, dental hygienists really started to take on a significant role 
They were members of the preventive team. They were working alongside the doctors to help identify early childhood decay. They were, you know, performing uh, hygiene visits. They were starting to perform advanced periodontal treatment. And as research has now started to unpack all of these complex layers of what diseases an oral health care practitioner can prevent through their care, now we're starting to see this like fan unfold about right. all of the unique, amazing things that hygienists can do. Here we are in 2023, and we know that hygienists can do advanced procedures like local anesthesia. They can do advanced periodontal procedures with like a perioendoscope. They can take impressions. They can scan patients. They can uh, become oral myofunctional therapists. Yeah. They, I just got Botox certified a few weeks ago. Really? Yeah. It's incredible the things hygienists can do. Mm. Now, here's the challenge. Most of us are being employed in practices where those skill sets are not being maximized. Right. And so this is where I want to start changing that narrative because. I will tell you, when I speak to dental hygienists or dental hygiene students, for example, who are in their hygiene program, they are so focused on what are the things that I can do to help my patients? What are the things that I can do to help my community? Right. That's what they're focused on. So the narrative that's coming down right now, you don't understand. Hygienists are expecting so much money. They, they want this. They want that. Well, that narrative, although I understand, you know, some of the interactions with hygienists and us asking for salaries that are commensurate with the role that we hold in the practice, right. it is also important to know that there are other things that hygienists may in fact want to help them feel like they're an appreciated member of the team. And interestingly, if we can focus on those things, it may actually help the entire scope of the practice. Yeah. Now you're talking about, you mentioned earlier, uh, Dr. Ralph Wilson, in our practice at AZ Perio, dental hygienists practice at the top of their license. Right. We are doing the tippy top, which means that Dr. Wilson is practicing at the top of his license and not doing things that maybe a hygienist could do. Right which allows for a more productive practice and it allows for dental hygienists to have a greater job satisfaction, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. I want you to speak to this because we're going to go into the specific mechanics, but I've had this conversation in similar fashion with you many times. We, there's a great coach that we have here. She always says when there is no value, there's only price for patients. Yes. Think about that and how it relates to a hygienist and the conversation with a dentist. Because most dentists think, well, this is a cost issue. This is a dollar and cents issue. Value, price. Yes. Core yes. values. Like overall, the, I, I listen to a lot of education and people are always like, well, you got to have the right facility to track the right type of team members or you have to have the right thing. And I'm like, you're missing like the most important piece. There's got to be a why. That's right. That's right. I, and I think that's huge when, you know, I, I, I speak with dental practices all the time and, and I'm looking at their ad that they're putting out, trying to attract a hygienist. And right. you're right. You're a magnet for what you want to attract. So that, that becomes really important. If your ad that you're putting out there to attract a hygienist is we, we pay top dollar. Well, you're, you're going to attract hygienists who are going to push that envelope as right. high as it can go. And I understand that a lot of practices think that that's exactly what they should be putting in their ads. But it's also important to look at what is the, what would be the framework or who is the type of practitioner you want to attract to your practice? Right. Because I'll say something provocative. Um, I love working with Dr. Wilson. Don't get me wrong. And I love my practice. 
I do not make the highest salary I could. Mm. I could leave Dr. Wilson tomorrow and go to a practice across the street and make a significant amount more money. We should send him this podcast. Oh my gosh, let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> hey, Dr. Wilson. <laughs> but explain that. I love that. Well, it, it really boils down to, I could be making more money somewhere else, right. but that's not what I value. Right. as a dental hygienist. What I value is delivering high level care to my patients. What I value is collaborating alongside doctors who respect me and my opinion. What I value is being able to go to a CE course and say, I learned this. Here's what this would look like to fold it into our existing protocol. What do you think about doing this for our patients wow. and being heard and understood? Mm. What I value are my metrics of my worth, what I bring to the practice being based not on the production I bring in, but the patients who came in sat in my chair in a state of disease that I helped heal. Yeah. Those are the things that I value. So hygienists like me, and I will say huge shout out to all of the amazing hygienists at AZ Perio because they are truly world-class top-notch hygienists. But the hygienists that AZ Perio attracts are hygienists who all believe that. Right. Now here's the thing. Dr. Wilson does not pay me the top salary in town, but he buys me the top-notch, world-class, state-of-the-art equipment that I need in order to do my job. Yeah. I'll get an email. I think we get an email maybe every four to six months from Dr. Wilson and the hygiene team leadership. And they'll say, it's called wish list. And they'll say, what pieces of equipment do you want? What, what's on your wish list? If it's something small, like you want another scaler in your equipment kit, of course, we can go ahead and get that for you. If it's something big, we want to know what that is so that we can start folding that into our budgets moving forward. Right. So I'm literally like writing a letter to Santa about all of the things I want on my wish list, right? And I'm being asked that. My opinion, what I value is being heard. Yeah. And what's happening is now AZ Perio is demonstrating we value you and we want you to be able to think about this. If AZ Perio buys the equipment that I need and want, I'm going to be delivering far superior care for my patients. Right. I'm going to be delivering high level care to these patients. It, this money is an investment in a piece of equipment, but it's an investment in standards of excellence in our practice. Yeah, I love this. And I want to, I want to ask you to be extra clear about this. Mm -hmm. 26 years of doing this, I've interviewed a lot of amazing team members. They, I don't want to say money's not important, but it's never number one on my mm -hmm. favorite team members that I've ever, you know, they're, you're not saying that Ralph pays you lowest wage. It's a competitive, no, of course, but, of the, course. but really when you look at what work means to you, what value means. And this is what we're talking about. Like a lot of dentists would listen to this and go, this is like, this is way too, f I would love this. I don't mm -hmm. even know how to create this. Mm. My first thought is it's extremely intentional. Yes. They know exactly what they're looking for. And it starts with a clear vision for that. Secondly, when it comes to compensation, you're not saying I pay your hygienist the cheapest, but you've got to think about this in a much bigger fashion, That's right? right? That's absolutely right. Now, I, I will say inside of this, you're spot on. I, I don't make the lowest wage in town. Right. And I will say, I, I'm not complaining. I am so happy. I absolutely love what I get to do because this wage you know, gap piece is also supplemented in other ways. Right. So for example, every year I get my birthday off as an extra PTO day. Oh, how cool is that? Right. That's so cool. So what does that tell me as, right. a, as a team member? They don't call us employees. They call us team members. 
So what does that tell me as a team member of AZ Perio? That they love me, they value me, and they want me to have that day off to sharpen the saw, right? right? They want me to, now it's not just my, my birthday. I can use that day anytime in my birthday month. But like, how amazing is that, right? That's awesome. They, they do a lot of really neat campaigns that help the team members to be able to feel valued. So inside of this, this whole framework of how AZ Perio has built this is around, this is our culture. Our culture is we take care of our people because our people take care of our patients. And we need to look at what does we take care of our people actually look like. Right. I think a lot of times the conversation of salary precedes so much of that. Why pay my hygienist this? Why pay my hygienist that? Well, I'll tell you, it's almost like a really destructive relationship. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it would be like if if I was dating somebody and they treated me like garbage, but they paid for dinner every time we went out. Yeah, I bought you, you know a nice I mean? car. Yeah, exactly, I bought, yeah. You got a nice house to live things, in. Right? Like, what are you complaining about? Right. Exactly. Yeah. But but I'm talking down to you, and I I don't respect you, and right. I don't let you know value your opinions, and I don't right. let you get involved in you know all these things. When you think about being a magnet and attracting a hygienist who is progressive who cares about their patients, who wants the best for their patients. First, I implore you to consider you probably do have that hygienist in your practice right now. Right. But there's a possibility that you haven't hosted those conversations. Has your hygienist said, I took the CE course and I think this would be a really unique piece of equipment for us to have in our practice. Hey, I learned this new technique. I want to learn a little bit more about it because I think it would help benefit our patients. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, Those are, that is your hygienist saying, I care. I want to deliver high level standards of care to our patients. And I want you to partner with me in that. So you don't have to say yes to your hygienist in every piece of equipment. I mean, I I could go to Ralph Wilson right now and say, I want this $25,000 piece of equipment. And he would probably say, let's take a look at budget and figure that out. Right. He's not going to say yes to me, but he's also not going to say no to me. Right. He's going to say, thank you for bringing this to me. I want to take a look at the research. Let's set up a, a lunch and learn with that you know, representatives. So we can start to understand what is the patient population that will benefit from this and how can we take this and fold this into our practice? And if it makes sense, let's do it. And Katrina, will you be the one who spearheads that? Yeah. Will you be the one to create the protocol and then educate the hygienists at AZ Perry about that? Love it. Right. Love it. Now what that does is it takes this hygienist who's passionate, who's excited, who loves this and wants to be able to share this with their colleagues. And you're now positioning this person in a role of authority, in leadership, to work alongside you. Right. Which I think is absolutely incredible. It's incredible. I want you to dig a little bit deeper on that. Before we hit the go button, you said, one of the things that we have to think about in less than ideal conditions in any practice is maximizing human being skills, like downtime. So if Mm -hmm. somebody's listening to this and they're a dentist and they're like, I understand what you're saying, Katrina, but like I've got openings. Mm -hmm. It's not ideal where in my practice, go back to the maximizing skills. How do I think better about that? Oh, this is uh, okay. So time and again, when I talk to hygienists and I say, you've got an hour of open chair time, what does your practice expect you to do? I think the common narrative that I hear time and again is, well, call the patients and see if you can start filling in some of those gaps. And I get that. I understand that. It makes sense. It's nice to hear from the hygienist. Hey, Kirk, I've been thinking about you. You're overdue for your hygiene visit. Let's get you on in next week, Tuesday, right? I get that. I understand that. However, your hygienist can do far 
greater things with their skill set because you have a clinician there who's available. Right. So you've got an hour of time now. Could you be looking at the existing schedule of patients and maybe saying, hey, this hygienist could be anesthetizing this patient over here. Um, you know what? This patient actually is scheduled for a restorative treatment, but they're actually needing to have some scaling and root planning done. So could we get creative there with this hygienist? So looking at the full scope of the schedule for the day and saying, could a hygienist step into the doctor's operatory and perform those periodontal therapy areas on those patients? Right. Um, you know, hygienists in general, I think are, they care about their patients. They care about the practice. They're going to do what they're told to do, you know? Um, and yet I think it's important to look at them and recognize they have something even greater to be able to give. So even hygienists who are curious cats, who love taking CE, hygienists who love listening to podcasts and love learning, I find those are hygienists that do really well with creating maybe a newsletter campaign that goes out to patients. I just wrote one this morning for AZ Perio and it was kind of dorky. It was Halloween themed, you know, uh, don't let the bacteria be zombies and enter the bloodstream and try to eat your brain, you know, and yeah. don't let your teeth be a haunted house of bacteria. Come on in to see, you know, so there are, you've got creative providers in that practice who, who want to write content like, Oh, cold and flu season is coming. Did you know that if you control the bacteria in your mouth, that it right. can help to control your overall health. So come on in to see us. Right. You've got people who can help to write campaigns for social media or, you know, maybe do, um, and, and we did this quite a bit during the pandemic when people were very concerned about infection control. You know, we would uh, post either uh, social media ads or we would even do Instagram stories showing patients the entire sterilization process to right. show our patients, hey, these are the things that we're doing to protect you. Right. Doing waterline testing, right? Showing our patients what our high volume evacuation looks like. You've got providers in there who are clinical experts. Right. Let them be those experts. Right? Yeah. Let them, you know, really stretch and expand their skills and ask them, hey, if you've got an hour of open chair time, what would you like to do with that time? Yeah. We want, there is an expectation that you're going to be contributing to this practice. Yeah. Right? You can't, you're not getting on your phone and going onto Facebook, but what would you want to do with that time? Right. Because as a doctor, let's say that hygienist for that one hour ends up taking a, a one hour webinar on uh, various types of patients that would benefit from local delivery of antibiotic. Right. I'll tell you, if your hygienist views that, the first few patients after they view that webinar, they're going to be looking for those treatment opportunities. Right. Right. So even allowing them to do their own chart audits, look at patients down the road and say, hey, you know what? I'm looking at my schedule for next week. and Tom is coming in to see me, but he has that crown that needs to get done as well. He said he wanted to do it. Hey, front desk, would you call and see if Tom would be okay with staying? Okay. Right? So now you're getting strategic with this. I love it. Right? Your hygienist, like they, they have the autonomy and ability to be able to review your clinical notes and identify how can we start to get smart and efficient about our schedules. Okay. I love this. And I love that you're here so I can bring some hard questions that we, now let's these are questions yeah. I get. So let's say I'm a dentist listeners. I'm totally picking up what you're putting down. I love it. Awesome. But Katrina, I have no time. Yeah. I have six hygienists, three are full-time, three are part-time. I have no time to even go to the bathroom sometimes. 
how do I do this? Where do I even start? Yeah. Oh, I with part time. I have one full one part time hygienist. She's only here one day. Uh-huh. Like she comes in after she drops her kids off from school. Sometimes I don't even say hi to her. Mm-hmm. Just can I throw you some of the questions I get? Oh, oh, oh! I I totally get this. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, I actually feel that. Like I totally yeah. get it. I own my own business. Um, albeit I I'm a practicing dental hygienist. My business is spe- speaking, consulting, right. you know, podcasting, all that jazz. I own my own business, and I have team members who work with me. And I will say, I absolutely understand how doctors feel because I feel the same way. Oftentimes I have these team members. I'm so busy. I don't have time to sit down and go, here's how you load something into constant contact, right? (laughs) I don't have time to sit down with them and explain the things that needs need to get done. But here's the thing. I don't have time to not do that. Right. So I have had to carve out time and be intentional about meeting with my team. For hygienists, that might mean doing a quarterly visit where you, you know, block off your schedule on a Friday or maybe do like a Saturday morning brunch with your hygiene team and sit down and talk to them about those initiatives. Yeah. I will say at AZ Perio, we do uh, quality uh, chart audits with our doctors. So we actually sit down alongside our doctors on a Tuesday night after we're all done with clinicals and we look at some of the cases that didn't respond and we look at why did they not respond and what should we have done differently? Our doctors are carving out that time to sit down and meet with us, the hygienists, so that we can put our clinical brains together and figure out, do you see what's happening when when we're working alongside our doctors? So they're making that time, which is important. Yeah. When you don't put, and I, I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to sound like you or my fiance, Dale, because you both are so into like process and operations and strategy. If you don't take the time to put the process together, nobody knows what the process is. Right. Nobody knows who owns that process. Nobody knows what steps along the way need to occur in order to move that process over the finish line. Oh, and it gets, it gets worse because if you're the leader or you're the practice owner, you start telling yourself a story. Like I have gone through this 10 times right? and it is not being done the way I described it the first six times. You know what I mean? And and I haven't taken the time to write it down in some kind of an (laughs) SOP. So there's no resource for anybody. I just barked it at people. So they they should have picked up on that. Why haven't they picked up on that? Right. I think the important thing is you said it perfectly is you don't have the time not to do that. If you're working with other human beings, you have to put, and learning is very dynamic. Disease Mm -hmm. is dynamic. I've been doing this for a while. Like every time I sit in the room, I'm like, I did not know that Mm -hmm. beat the heart attack gene flipped flipped my brain on its side. You know, like I think the more that we learn, the more we almost don't understand and the more we're curious and we need to be in a room. And I'll just say this, like one of the easiest things to do is to come to a course like this. This is a planned meeting where you're away from patients. Mm -hmm. Your team members would appreciate that, that you would actually, and you attend with them and say, hey, listen, I don't know what's going to happen in these two days, but we're going to learn something and we're going to calibrate on the plane on the way home. That's one way you can do it. Mm-hmm. Quarterly, it's a great opportunity to do yeah. that. Here at Act Dental, we block out almost an entire week to just land the plane, do mm-hmm. airplane maintenance, check in, make sure everything's calibrated because I don't care if you have 10 team members or 10,000, you need a place where we're like, no, we're going to stop. We're going to get calibrated on this. And this is crazy important. Or team members tell themselves a story too. Oh, she's too busy. She doesn't have time for me or he doesn't have time for me. 
Absolutely. And and I think that that essence around I love what you said, you know, we take that week off in order to land the plane because going back to some of the challenges that I see when I'm communicating with doctors or as a business owner myself is how many little things end up getting omitted. Right. I'll do chart audits where I'm reviewing, I'm looking at the full scope of the chart and it's like, okay, wait a second. We we talked about the fact that we were going to be taking FMXs on patients and not a panel and four bite wings. What happened that we've gotten away from that? Right. Well, gosh, if, if we don't have a, a line of sight to what's going on and we're not, you know, consistently reiterating the things that we're seeing from a process standpoint, if we're not giving timely feedback, if we're not creating a collaboration with our teams, this is where we're going to run into challenges. For sure. Because the process that you've built out to help support your team is not necessarily being executed. But I will share this final parting piece. Okay. And that is looking at your hygienists as true partners in the practice. Yes. And by that, I mean, are there projects that you can actually put them in charge of? Can they be accountable for that? Can you say, can you go over to Mary RDH and say, Hey, Mary, we want to integrate this new technology into our practice. We just got a scanner. We're so excited. We want to start doing intraoral scanning on hygiene patients. Would you take some time to build out what that protocol looks like? Would you take a look at the patient populations and identify which ones are going to make sense? Is it all of them? When do we rescan? What does that process look like? How does the scanner get moved from operatory to operatory? I I want you to look at the full scope, but you're in charge of that, Mary. Oh my gosh. Do you know what happens when you give accountability? When you, you have her build it? It becomes hers. Yeah. And now she's passionate about it. And now she's the one who's integrating that. Not you, doctor. She's the one integrating that. Love it. So that's that's really the exciting piece about taking these extremely skilled, extremely capable providers and giving them the autonomy to make something their own. Yeah, I have 12 more questions and Andy already (laughs) told me we got to wrap this only because everybody's going to start showing up. So give us some final thoughts on rethinking the role of a dental hygienist. I know you already gave us one, but just like one final, final thought. I will say this. We are no longer just mouth maids, jaw janitors, tooth scrapers, cleaning ladies. We are so much more than that. Yeah. And hygienists want to help their patients. That's what they care about. They really do. I understand that the narrative is my hygienist wants X amount of money. Hygienists very much have a narrative in their head that all doctors care about is money. Yeah. So I think we've got some miscommunication between doctors, practice owners, and hygienists when it comes to what we want and how we can help support what the practice wants of us. So well said. Now you're going to be doing, you're doing the workshop today. Yes. Do we have a couple more minutes, Andy? Just, okay. So um, I want you to tell our listeners what people are specifically going to learn today. And if they miss today, which is a good chance they missed it, mm-hmm. you're going to be doing this again on December 1st and December 15th here at our headquarters, or you have two more courses. So December 1st and December 15th, I'm doing web-based programs okay. for ACT. So, See, look at that. Okay. I know. And, this, <laughs> and I'm actually really excited because I'm going to be doing a co-presented program with my sister, who's a foot and ankle surgeon. So wow. you guys have to check that out. Yeah. So, and then I'm doing another program on radiologic techniques. So that, that's going to be December 1st and December 15th. So cool web-based programs. And I really encourage y'all to check out both of them, but specifically the one I'm doing with my sister, because this is where we're talking about how oral disease and systemic disease really fold one into the other. So that one's going to be super fun. Love it. 
today, we're going to be looking at disease prevention. We're going to do a nice overview, uh, looking at all the different types of disease modalities that patients will present with and how we can start elevating our standards beyond the bare minimum, beyond just scaling and root planing and drilling and filling teeth and looking at all of these preventive modalities that are in front of us. What we're doing is we're building value for our patients to really see dentistry as more than just tooth scrapers or, you know, uh, drilling out teeth, but rather as a member of the medical community. And so we've got some incredible sponsoring partners here joining us today as well, which is so exciting. By the end of this weekend, all participants are walking away with a full resource where each of them in the practices are going to be building out their very own protocols for how they target and treat patients who have different disease modalities. So this is a true immersive workshop for each of these dental teams. And I am so excited to see what everybody comes up with. And we are so grateful that you're doing it here. So thank you for being My here. My pleasure. Are you kidding me? Happy to be here. This I love is awesome. it. We're going to pour some wine soon and That's do, right. do some learning. So, so awesome. Excited. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I mean, we're going to say goodbye to everybody else oh, over here. Okay. <laughs> Andy keeps us on the rails. Yeah, so yeah. I want you to say goodbye to everybody else. So oh, well, th- 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 thank our listeners for listening. Well, he- hello, listeners. Thank you so much. Do you much like for that? I call it. that voluntolding. I just yeah, you told just you. voluntold me. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me, Katrina Sanders, and the incredible Kirk Barrett here at the amazing Act Dental U headquarters in the fabulous town of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's been a pleasure to be here today with all of you. If you loved what you saw, please absolutely check out some of the amazing content that we have coming up because it is going to be off the rails, and I am so excited. Cheers. You did such a great job. Did I do a good job? That was amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're the best. (laughs) I hope you guys have a great day. And uh, until we hear from you or see you again, have a great day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.